Welcome to Lunch Pell Sermons. My messages begin with the assumption that the Bible's teaching is simple. Love God, do good. With that simple message, the Spirit delivers divine haymakers that nudge us toward becoming better followers of Jesus. I hope this sermon helps you in living God's adventure for your life. Now I'm going to move into our next sermon. Our connection point for that one is we are looking today at servant leadership. And as you heard that story, uh, you might uh, realize that's uh, pretty much a story that Jesus told, um, the story of the 99 sheep and the one that was lost. And we see this image of God as the shepherd who goes to look for us. Our passage today is going to be 1 Peter 5. Let me read that for us now. That's going to be on the screen, and I'll be reading from there. To the elders among you, I appeal as fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all who are in Christ. We are looking today at the idea of the servant leader, and what is the servant leader about? In the business world, one of the things that they talk about a lot is leadership, and understandably so. Any organization needs good leaders to thrive and have success. And as they talk about leadership, there's always these different styles that are mentioned, this style and that style. And I'm going to put out before you five styles of leadership. Certainly, people will have their different lists, but this is one list. So these are the different ways that people can lead others and lead an organization. There's the authoritative style. What I say goes. 
There's the transactional style. If you do well, you get a bonus. I'm paying you more. There's the participative style, which is this group decision-making. Hey, everyone come into the room, sit around the table. Let's decide how we're moving forward. The delegative style. So delegating, assigning tasks. Hey, you have this task, you have that task, you have that one. Finally, in this list, there's the transformational style, which is the idea of providing this great vision. We're going to be the best organization ever in the history of the world. Come follow me. And everyone says, yes, we'll follow you. Or no, we don't. So these are these different styles that people do. And in what was considered a revolutionary approach, Robert Greenlee, in 1970, came up with this style of leadership. He came up with the servant as leader. Started a whole organization, a whole movement within leadership on this idea of the servant leader. And people were like, whoa, this is a way you can lead people? By lifting them up? By putting them in front of you as a servant? And admittedly, Robert Greenleaf acknowledged that this is a style of leadership that has been in place for a long, long time. He simply put a title on it and brought some momentum to it. And as we think of this servant-style leadership, I hope you thought of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is most certainly a leader. And if we were to pick out his one style of leadership, it is the servant leader. So this wasn't something that was coined in 1970 and began there. It's something that began so long ago, and it's exemplified in who Jesus is. We're going to read a verse from Mark before we jump into 1 Peter, looking at Jesus as this idea of servant leader. Let's read this together. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, I came to serve. It would seem anybody, right, the Son of God should be able to come through with the authoritative style. I'm the Son of God. Listen to me. Or maybe we would think of Jesus as the transformational style. Catch my vision of the Messiah. If there's anyone who can cast out what our future is, follow me, follow my wonderful vision. If there's anyone who could rely upon the transactional style, wouldn't it be Jesus? Eternal life, just do what you're supposed to. What a great reward, right? No. Jesus came as a servant. He came not to be served, but to serve. And in our church as well, you're going to find that we are called to serve others. Let's look a little bit more into this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to begin looking at this idea of shepherds, which is brought up in this passage. When you think of a shepherd's purpose, what is that? You know, I'm going to give you a moment, kind of think of the shepherd and what do you think that purpose is. 
I would submit to you that the shepherd's purpose is to allow the sheep to fulfill their purpose. It's ultimately what the shepherd is about. So if we think of sheep of having the purpose of producing wool, the shepherd's job is to get them to the shearer so that that can happen. The biggest need that the sheep have is protection because they do not have a lot of defense mechanisms. And so the shepherd, in his role of allowing them to fulfill their purpose, will provide protection for them. But notice protection is not the goal of the shepherd. Protection is allowing the purpose of the sheep to move forward. Now, when we think of life in our church, our church leaders are shepherds. We are. And the term pastor comes from this idea. But all of our leaders in our church are called to lead with a shepherding mentality. And as you're out there, you can say, oh, you know, that's nice. You kind of preaching to yourself because I'm not a leader. Ah, pause right there. The way our church is set up is we have many leaders. And we have people who lead in this area, people who lead in that area. Sometimes you're following over here, but you might be leading right here. Sometimes you're helping a leader over here, and sometimes you're the person right there that everyone's looking to. So in our church, we have different roles and functions. All of us are followers and leaders. I am the pastor of the church. I'm a follower and a leader. So when we come and look at this idea of leadership within this church, I don't want you to think that's not me. Because that is you. And then maybe you're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm still not buying that. Because I don't lead anything. I just follow. Well, this message is for you too. Because <laughs> it's going to help you out who to follow. Because if someone doesn't lead well, then we should not follow that person. Because if they don't lead us well, they're simply going to lead us to somewhere that we don't want to go. And we all have the choice of who we follow. So this idea of leadership within the church applies to us all. And as we've seen, leaders are called to be shepherds. And as shepherds, are we allowing others to fulfill their purpose? That is what a shepherd does, is allows the sheep to fulfill his purpose. As leaders in the church, do we allow others to fulfill their purpose? Kind of the big question that we have. Are we lifting others up or are we putting others down? And that'll be the imagery I'll return to a number of times during the message. Are we lifting people up or pushing people down? And as we think of our role of leaders in the church, this passage reminds us that the chief shepherd is watching. Jesus, the judge and the adjudicator, is watching. And the judge and the adjudicator, that chief shepherd, will be returning. Let's read this verse together. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. 
So when the chief shepherd comes, will we be lifting people up or putting people down? The passage just before this provides some direction on what it means to be a good shepherd within the church. I'm going to read that for us now. That's coming from 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Let's look at this list. We're going to go through this list um, and see a little bit of what that passage was about. There were some things that we were told not to do as leaders. First is, not because you must, but willingly. So that's the thing as we think of leaders. We're looking for people who are willing to serve, not people who feel obligated, not people who feel like, I've got to do it, not people who are like, oh, anything but this. If you don't want to lead, don't lead. If you don't want to be in charge, don't be in charge. Do it willingly. So as we think of leaders, if someone's like, ah, don't do it, right? We want people who are like, yeah, I got it. We are not to do it for any type of personal gain. Personal gain comes in all sorts of different forms, doesn't it? Sometimes we see that and we think financial. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of that. More likely, our personal gain is some sort of sense of satisfaction, uh, some sort of sense of power that we enjoy. We have, yeah, it's all a little bit about me, right? Because I kind of like it. I like the title that comes with it. I think people look at that and be like, ooh, they'll be impressed. I'll post it on social media, and people will go, wow. No. We do it to serve others. We put the other in front of us, and that's why we lead. Not for ourselves, but for the other. Third thing we see is not lording it over people. Right? No heavy-handed leaders. A church is no place for that leader that stands over people barking orders. Because I said so. Because I'm the whatever. This isn't how we lead within the church. We don't appeal to titles within the church and say, that's how it's going to be. If you don't like it, put someone else. No. We lead by example. We set an example for others to follow and how we do life and how we lead others. As we look at that list, one of the things we see, who's most important to us? Is it ourself or is it our others? Because the list on the left is all about the self. Whereas the list on the right is all about the other. Are we lifting people up? Or are we pushing people down. So as we think of life within our church, what can we do to improve leadership? What's something that we can do as a church 
to improve our leadership. And so as I say this, I'm truly not thinking of anyone. I had no thought to anyone. I'm thinking this is true for any church. This is true for our church as well. And I think probably one of the things that we can do that will improve our leadership the most is this. Stop leading. Stop leading. Most problems in the church happen because people stay too long. They lead too long. And as a church, our policy on leadership should be that the door in is a little small and a little hard to get to. The door out of leadership, we want it huge. We want it big. We want it lit. Exit. Because when it's time to go, it's time to go. And if we leave when we're supposed to leave, things just, it, it's one of those pro, uh, solutions that just fixes so many problems. If we were to look at problems in the life of any church, it's because the leaders stayed too long. And they didn't make room for other people. So why do people stay? Let's look at reasons that people stay, and then let's look at uh, what happens if we will leave. One of the reasons that people stay is they feel obligated. We've heard that before, haven't we, right? Hey, if I don't do it, no one else will. So they stay and they continue to leave. The reality is, is if we step out of that role, it makes an opportunity for someone else to step in. They didn't know it was an option for them because there's always been someone there. Next thing that we see that people stay in leadership. As they say, the ministry will end. If I step out, this ministry's over. There's no one here to take my place. I'm just going to keep it going because I don't want this ministry to end. I tell you, ministries are cyclical. They come and go. The good news doesn't change. The good news about Jesus Christ always remains the same. How we communicate that is always in flux. It's okay for ministries to end. When ministries end, it creates opportunities for new ministries to emerge. So it's okay if things are over. Sometimes people didn't realize that leaving was an option. They're like, I, I can stop? <laughs> you can stop. You can stop. And I would say my role as a leader, one of the things that uh, you will hear me communicate to you, you might have already heard it, is a graceful exit to ministry. Hey, you serve, and when it's time to go, then you go. And we'll celebrate you and what you've done. And maybe you were there for two weeks. Thank you. Thank you for your two weeks. Maybe you were there for 20 years. Thank you. We might clap a little bit longer for 20 years. Thank you for your 20 years. But when it's time to go, you go. And when you leave, we're not bitter. We did it oh. So-and-so left us right in the middle. No. Because when it's time to go, you go. And we'll celebrate you, and we'll give you a graceful exit. One of the other reasons that people stay in ministry is because their identity gets wrapped into that. And so that ministry becomes who they are. 
And for them, that's who I am. I'm always the person that turns the fans on. I got to be the fan turner on her. That's who I am. That's how people know me. Of course, we'd say, you are a child of God. You are loved as you are. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. doesn't matter whether you're the fan turner on or not. You are loved by God. Sometimes people are like, I don't want to stay because it makes me happy. I just love doing it. I just feel, feel so good doing this ministry, which is nice. It's, I, we want you to feel good about ministry, but it's not a reason to stay. Because we're called to serve others. And if you're serving others and you feel good, bing, bing, that's a win right there. If it's just you making you happy, and that's a loss. So if we put serving others and I'm happy, man, we let's keep it going. Woo! Ministry. Sometimes, sometimes we gotta go. Sometimes we gotta go. And when we do, we create room for other leaders to emerge. And I, if you haven't experienced it, I think what you'll find, one of the great joys of life is seeing people emerge that you've trained along the way. Seeing others shine because you've been able to make that happen. Right? And I see that in the life of this church taking place. We definitely have areas where we, other people, we allow people to step in. We begin to let people shine. That person shines. And there is joy in that. That's what servant leadership is about. It's about lifting up the other. That's what Jesus did for his disciples. That's what we need to do for this church. Next part of our passage, we're going to look at the lions. I didn't know we were talking about the lions today, but we are. Maybe you remember hearing about that earlier. This passage begins with this idea, um, or, or communicates in this idea, um, humility. And so we are called to humility. The question kind of begins to emerge is, hey, what is humility? I feel like that's a hard word to describe. And so humility, obviously, we'd say is the opposite of pride. Sometimes that helps us figure that out. And when it comes to humility, uh, one of the challenges that we face is that sometimes we kind of envision this meek, quiet, mousy, dispassionate person, kind of a blah person. And we say, oh, they're very humble. Maybe they are. I don't know. But being blah doesn't make you humble. It makes it so you can get along with people, so that's helpful. But it doesn't make you humble, per se. And in fact, if we were to look at the Bible, uh, we have a, someone who is described as the most humble person on the face of the earth. And that was Moses. What a fabulous description. We want that, don't we? We want that. Is, that, is it prideful to want the description of humble? I, it could be. It could be. But Moses was described as the most humble person on the face of the earth. And Moses was certainly a passionate leader. He was a vocal leader when he needed to be. He was a leader by example. He, he led the people out of Egypt, right? He led the people through the wilderness. 
And yet in the midst of that, he was considered humble. In this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 5, we are reminded that all of you, that's us, should clothe ourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God is a God of humility and God favors those who are humble. The passage continues on. Let's read this together. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Maybe you recognize that, lift you up, because that is what God will do for us. When we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. Things we want to see here is that God favors humble people and God lifts up the humble people. So with that promise in mind, why is humility such a problem? Why can't we be humble? Why, when we look around us, we find ourselves not exhibiting humility towards others, as we think of ourselves leading within the church, why do we do so in a prideful manner? Why do we do so in a way that's more about us and less about them? Why do we find ourselves at times pushing others down? Because all of us struggle with this. This isn't something, humility isn't something you master. Humility is a fight you fight every day. We all struggle with being prideful people. And as leaders, we struggle with the pride in that capacity as well. Why is that? It's because we have an adversary. And our adversary is out to get us. Let's read this passage together. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. That's why humility is so difficult. Because our adversary prowls like a roaring lion. We are prey and we are being hunted. We're going to watch a video. And uh, in this video, um, well, you'll see. It's, it's a couple of lions, a couple of lions. You may have heard the audio that was coming through there. The... The lion, um, the, the narrator explains. Um, so the, the lion is hunting you. You could see it there sneaking. And then one uh, comes out of its cover, and it looks like it's a mistake. But as the narrator explains, that the lion who, who has shown, um, shown herself um, has pushed the other lion right into the partner. Because lions are good hunters. And that is how our adversary is described, as a good hunter. The onyx, that was the animal that was being hunted, right, thinks, thinks it's doing well, thinks it's got it. Sees the lion coming, thinks, oh, oh, oh they, I got this. I'm going the other way. But in reality, it's being tricked, isn't it? It's being deceived. 
We have an adversary, a tempter, who entices us, who tells us lies, who tricks us, who deceives us. And the message of the adversary always comes back to the same. The message of the adversary is lift yourself up, boost yourself a little higher. Hey, if you've got to push down a little bit now, it's fine. Just to get over those people around you. You know, because you're a little smarter than them. You're a little more experienced than them. You understand things that they don't. And, you know, you can push them down now so that you can help them later. That's fine. That's what our adversary is telling us. Our adversary keeps saying, that pride within you, it's okay. It's a good thing. We'll use it for good. We're going to um, go back to the video. Maybe you're able to follow along. Did you see what the onyx did? It got low. It got low, and it was able to get away from the lions. You thought it was done. With it. I thought it was done. Right? When you saw those two lions coming on it, and that one had it wrapped up, you're like, that thing's done. But the onyx got low. You can see it's right. That's why it's paused there. You can see all the dust. You can see all the, how close it is to the ground. It got low, and it was able to save itself from those predator lions. How will we escape? We, too, need to get low. To avoid the lions, we need to humble ourselves and lift up God, not us. And as we think of life within this church, what will we be? Will we be a place that lifts God or lifts ourselves? Because if we try to lift ourselves up, why is God going to use us? Why? God's looking for places where we're pushing from the bottom. We're pushing up. Because as a church, we want to be a place where we are building something up. And if we're going to build up, it means we're going to need to push it from the bottom. We're going to need to push people up. We're going to need to push God up. And in the midst of that, people, well, who's going to take care of me? God's got it. That's the wrong question, isn't it? Who's going to take care of me? That's, that's the path that will lead you into all about me and not about the other people. And if we're all pushing each other up, guess who's going to take care of you? Someone else will. Because when you're pushing, someone's going to be like, oh, I'll get you there. I'll help you. And you're like, I'm getting tired. Oh, thanks. Thanks for helping me. That's what we're called to be. Lift up others. Lift up God. And we will build a church that can communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to people. If we do that, we will have children here for that children's service. They'll be here. Maybe we'll put them on the front row. We'll invite them up. We'll have people coming saying, hey, I heard about that place. Welcome. Welcome. 
How can we get there? What can we do to get there? First thing, just for today, right? We, we can't do it all at one moment. But today, what can we do? Just a simple thing. Don't complain about others. For the rest of the day, for the rest of your day, don't complain about other people. Because when we complain about others, that's a little bit of that pride shining through, isn't it? That's a little bit of, I know better than they do. Seldom do we complain and lift people up. So today, no complaining about others. And if you're here with someone who you're going to be with for the day, I give you, I, I don't know if I should give you like a little nudge or not to be like, when someone's like starts complaining. I, if they complain and then you say that, is that complaining about them? I don't know if that counts. But you know what I'm saying? Give, give them a little nudge, just a little reminder. Hey, didn't we learn about complaining today at church? That's how we can help lift each other up. You can, you may, that might be okay. So that's, that's our goal for today. And as we do that, it's not about complaining. That's not, that's not what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve a church that is humble. And we're trying to achieve a church that leads others in humility. And in the midst of that, we are a church that is boosting God up. Let me pray for us now. Thanks for listening to Lunch Pell Sermons. Now it's time to put these words into action and go live our adventure. Let's love God and do good.